Pastor John does something pretty much every sermon, and I really wanted to start with it today, but it's, obviously it's going to take your help. Um, God is good, and all the time. I, I love that. It's a great way to start any kind of a message, set the atmosphere, but I think you're going to see how that particular phrase works in so perfectly to what we're going to talk about today. Uh, let me start by just saying good morning to you, Hallmark. Thank you for being here. Uh, what a great looking group here, beautiful faces, uh, most of you anyway. There's some beautiful faces and I'm glad to see you in the auditorium. And I also want to welcome those who are joining us uh, live today on this, on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, it's so good that you have you come to worship with us and we're looking forward to doing that. But some of you are saying, so who is this guy anyway? So let me just take a moment, introduce myself. For those of you who don't know, I'm Steve Switzer, and uh, my wife Shelly is down here on the front. Shelly and I uh, were on staff here at Hallmark several years ago. Um, we actually left here in 1999 uh, because we had to find our daughter a husband. You know, she was 10. She was getting old. We had to find her husband. So uh, we, we did find her one, and I think you know him because Stefan, who is leading your worship, is married to a wonderful young man named Carlos. And uh, they, their family has, which includes two beautiful granddaughters. I don't know how that works, but those two, that family came here to Texas to join you a few years ago, and uh, so you know them that way, and that's, uh, that's part of our connection. But the Lord's been doing something very interesting in, in the life of my wife and I in the last few weeks, the last few months. He's been leading in our life and actually making this uh, a, a change for us. Um, we have been, had the privilege to pastor a couple of incredible churches, one in New York, uh, one in Illinois over the last 22 years. Uh, but just recently, God has opened the opportunity for us, and we're going to be working with MANA Worldwide, and we are now the, the new directors for East Africa, and we're excited about what God's doing there in, in Africa and what he's going to allow us. We're just looking forward to what that looks like, but that also means that since their headquarters are here in Fort Worth, we are relocating ourselves back to this area. So you get to see our bright and shining faces more often. Oh, oh wow. I like this service. First service didn't care that we were back. No, I'm just kidding. It's, it, so we're, we're back and we're excited to be members and be serving with you again. And we look forward to what God's going to do together with us in, in ministry. And it's such a privilege to be here and serve under Pastor John. And so when he asked me to preach today, I was excited about that opportunity. But also just to continue on with the series you've been in. What a phenomenal talk as we're looking through the Sermon on the Mount. And we, if you have your Bibles today, we're in Matthew chapter number 6. You've been looking through that, that famous Sermon of Jesus and, and the idea of having the blessed life and, and what that looks like. And, and we're going to continue with, with that this morning. But before we get there, let's just kind of back up and talk about some of the things you've already learned. One being that Jesus makes it very clear that it's not just about what you do, it's really about who you are. It's, it's about, Jesus gets right to our hearts when he's talking in this, this particular sermon. In fact, I, I want to quote Pastor John from a couple weeks ago. He said this, the matter of the heart is the heart of the matter. And, and that takes us to where we're, where we're at, the fact that he, he's looking past the things that you can fool others with, and he gets to the heart of who we are. So we've been encouraged the last couple weeks to apply a particular prayer that you probably remember. It's David's prayer from Psalm chapter 139, and, and I hope you've, you've taken time to, to use this, but in Psalm 139, here's what David said, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Boy, that's a big prayer, isn't it? It's big, but look at the next phrase, try me and know my anxieties. 
God, when you search me and you know me and you're going to know all the things that I worry about, and then, of course, the next verse, and, and see if there's any wicked way in me, anything that's unpleasing to you, God, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Here's what we know, God's searching our hearts, but today we want to focus on that second phrase, and that's the idea of the anxieties. Because if you're going to experience, if you're going to understand this blessed life that Jesus talks about, you're going to have to at some point deal with the idea of worry, the, the, the incidence of, of anxieties in our life as Jesus responds to them. That's why we're calling today the theme that we're looking at is no worries. And what does that look like for us? Why is that important? And why would Jesus put it in this, this, this very famous and particular sermon for us? In fact, as, you're, as we're going to read through it, you're going to notice three times Jesus makes a very specific command. He says three times, do not worry. If you're, if you're not worrying, then don't start. If you are worrying, then stop. I mean, it's, it's very clear. The command is not quest, in question. It's do not worry. I'll show you what I mean. Verse 25, here he says this, therefore I say to you, now say the next three words with me, do not worry. He says about your life or what you eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll put on. Go down to verse 31. Therefore, what does he say? Tell me, do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? And then bound to verse 34, the last verse. Therefore, again, what does he say? Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Anybody have trouble as you were saying those words, thinking about what that really means? Seriously? Do not worry? I mean, that, I, I don't know about you, but I struggle a little bit with that. I struggle with it every time I read it because it's there, it's very plain, but that's not so easy to say or to do, is it? Some of you will remember back uh, years ago, Bobby McFerrin did a song called Don't Worry, Man, Be What? Be Happy. Just get over it, dude. You got you to pay the rent. You gotta, just don't worry, be happy, right? That, that's what it sounds like sometimes. Or let's talk about those theologians, Timon and Pumbaa, those of you that know them, right? And they said what? Akuna Matata, which means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. And so sometimes when we hear words like, do not worry, that's where we go. We go to, it's just silly. That's make-believe. That's, that's Disney. But it's not real life. Because worry is real, isn't it? Worry is something that, whether you consider yourself a worry wart or not, you're, maybe you're not, one, you, you, you tend to not worry, or, or maybe you don't, I don't know where you're at, but it, the thing is, we do all have these issues we struggle with. Let's just be honest. Just in our culture alone, there are some obvious things that if we want to list them, we could worry about. You can actually go on a website. They have, there's a company that does every month the new top 10 list of all the world's worries. It's a pretty depressing website, by the way. But anyway, what, if you look in the archives over the last several years, the top five pretty much stay the same, and they just kind of circle. One, one's in the top, one's going down. And, and they include things like health and, and well-being, which has been for several months the top of the list with the pandemic and everything. But then they go to political crisis and the crime waves that are rising and ec the economic situations, and those seem to just rotate because look around us. If we want to worry, we got things to worry about, don't we? But, but let's be personal. What about our own lives? What if when that healthcare thing, it's hitting home and we're one of those that is sick or we love loved ones that are sick? Or what about, can I pay the bills this month? 
Is, am I going to be able to, to meet the mortgage this month? We start, we, now we have those issues. We have, we have the issues of relationships and, and how they might or might not be working. And we, we, we tend to find ourselves concerned about, about those issues. Well, our kids are growing up. Are they going to be safe? Where, what's the world going to be like when our, my grandkids get up there and we can worry about all? Maybe it's, you're at the point in life when you're, you're taking care of aging parents. Or maybe you're just saying, I'm getting old and everything's falling apart. I mean, there are things to worry about. If we want to worry, there's a lot to worry about, and we find ourselves doing it quite a bit. In fact, Pastor John asked me to speak. I was excited. He gave me the passage, and I opened it up, and we're going through all these changes and everything. 35 years, we did one thing, and now we're doing something completely different. And when I read the first words, and it said, do not worry. And I said, really, God? (laughs) Seriously, this is the one you're going to have me talk about today? Because if we want to worry, the issue is there. It's right before us. There is plenty that we have to worry about. In fact, I have to laugh at myself because I, found my, I told my wife, I found myself this week worrying about preaching about worry. I don't know if you can relate to that, but it's, it's what happens. We, if we want to, it's there. We, one man referred to us as we're basically, especially as Americans, we're worryaholics. Right? We find ourselves losing sleep and losing hair and losing fingernails, all of those things, because there's so much to worry and we find ourselves in that. So when Jesus says, do not worry, the first thought is, well, if Jesus, if, if everybody's doing it, why is it such a big deal? I mean, we all just kind of accept it. I, I worry. That's what I do. That's how I'm made. In fact, if you knew my circumstances, you'd know why I worry. I've got a lot of issues going on. And so we're, but here's what we got to remember. Worry may be common, but it's not benign. It it causes issues. There's a problem with it. And Jesus knows that his disciples then and his disciples now are going to deal with worry. And he says, you've got to get a handle on this. You've got to understand what this is. So so this morning as we look through it, I I want us to to see why worry is is the issue that it is and then see what Jesus says. What is anything we can do to deal with this in our lives? Let's start by looking at the word itself. Just the word worry, according to the language is written in, it kind of comes from an origin, and I'll give you a couple words that give you a picture of worry. One is the word divided. The, the, it comes from a word that means to, to pull apart. Literally, your worries will pull you in different directions. They pull you apart. They, they take you in, in different, different directions from where you need to be. It's hard to, to go here because you're not, you can't focus because you're divided, which leads to a second word, and that's the word distracted. Worry is something that takes us, our distractions. I found it interesting in, in the, one of the, the, the stories of Jesus' life, he had a friend, uh, friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he came to their house once, and, and he, Martha was described in Luke 10 as being distracted. That's the word, distracted by much serving. And, and so you can kind of get this idea, the, the lack of focus. And here's how Jesus responded to her. I want you to hear it. Luke chapter 10, he said, Martha, Martha, distracted Martha. Listen to what he says. You are anxious, or our same word. You are worried and troubled about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. What is he saying? When you let worry take over, it takes away from what's really important. It distracts you. It divides you from what's really important. That's what worry will do in our lives. But even the word worry itself, the English word, comes from a German word that means to choke, to strangle, to take the very life out of it. Jesus gave a warning in one of his parables, the parable of the sower. 
In that parable, he talked about how that the worries and the cares of this life, and Jesus' words say, will actually choke out the effectiveness of God's word. Here's why worry is such a problem. Just because everybody does it, why should we be worried about worry? Because worry wants to choke out the joy, choke out the effectiveness of even God's word in our lives. That, that's the problem that Jesus is addressing. But, but let's look at it the way Jesus talks about it. See some of the demonstrations. Go back with me to verse 25. He starts it off this way. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Let's, let's unpack that just a little bit. Let's start with that first word, therefore. Therefore, it's a, a common word. Your, your version may say then or now, but it's therefore. It's, but it's more than just a transition word. Um, I don't know about you, but I learned when I was really young about studying scriptures. In the Bible, when you see a therefore, you need to find out, somebody help me, what the therefore is there for. Because there's a reason. It's a, it's a construction word. It's taking you from where you've been, the context, the content that you've read, and it's kind of building on to the next issue. So therefore, it's, it's moving the story along, moving the... And, and did you notice that every time he said, don't worry, he started with a therefore, do not worry. So in other words, he's building. He's saying, based on what you've heard, therefore... Do not worry. And then he says some other things, and he says, therefore, based on what you just heard, do not worry. It's it's the idea of what he's building. So if we're going to understand this, verse 25 starts with that therefore. Let's take it back to where he was talking before that, which takes us a couple weeks back. Pastor John talking in those uh, those preceding verses, words like, uh, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But look at the verse right before he begins this section on worry. Verse number 24, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be, and depending on your version, be devoted or be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You're going to have to make a choice. We we learned about perspective. We learned about you've got to think, you've got to have the right eyes, and you'd be, be looking in the right direction, and he's talked about how perspective will determine our decisions. Well, now, as we transition this next phrase, what we're going to find is perspective also will determine your peace, your state of mind, the way you look at things, the way that you hold on to the things that he's talking about. He determines that, and and using that word devotion, what is it that you're devoted to? You've got to choose. So here's what I want you to learn first. What I've learned about worry is worry comes down to a devotion issue. Worry is more than just an emotion issue. When we talk about worry, we think, oh, I'm down, I'm depressed, and so if I just take all my negative thoughts and I replace them with some positive thoughts, and everything will be okay. It's don't worry, be happy, feel. But it's deeper than that. What this verse ties us to is your worry, your concerns are tied to what are you devoted to? What, are you, what in your life are you loyal to? It's this idea of taking it and, and what's really important, what you're truly concerned about. That will be the, the, the thing that's clearly, look at verse 25 again. Do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, nor your body, what you put on. But look at the last phrase. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's saying, listen, what are the things that you're devoted to? And if it's the things that you're worrying about, like your food and your clothes, is that really what life's all about? Is life about those things that just, they're here and they're gone? 
Well, he, he, that could be things maybe I'm worried about if I'll have enough, or maybe we're, we, we have our first world problems where we have stuff, but we want to know if we're going to have enough more, right? And however way you look at this idea, the point, the point comes down to what is life really about? The things that so many of the things we worried about just show really where our devotion is. And he's going to show us how to change that devotion. But we start with understanding this devotion makes all the difference. So then he gives us a, 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 an example. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They, they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much of more value than they? Now, he doesn't downplay hard work, being industrious. I mean, the, the birds are not lazy creatures. I mean, they go after the worms. They make the nest. It's, it's not putting down. But, but what he's showing is, but they have a resource. And that resource is God who takes care of them. And so the, the devotion then is not worried about the things. It's just doing what, what needs to be done and, and resting in the fact that there is, there is a resource behind me. Now, now think about this. Look at that last phrase. Are you not of more value than the birds? Ask yourself the question, am I more important than the birds? Well, the answer is yes. The, the answer is, does God love me more than the birds? Well, let me ask you this. Did he make the birds in his own image? Did he send his son to die for the birds? Then why would we ever doubt the fact that our heavenly Father, that God loves us, he created us, he sent his son in our behalf, and he said, aren't you of more value than the birds? Think about this. What is it that you're voted? What is it that, that you're focused on? There is more to life than just the stuff that we worry about. And now he continues. I love this next question. It's a, another rhetorical. Look what he says in verse number 27. Which of you, by worrying, can then add one cubit to his stature? It's a great question, isn't it? If I worry about it long enough, can I get taller? Now, that, that word stature... Uh, it actually could go either way. Its stature could mean height, but it also has been used in other places to use like length of time, maturity. In fact, some versions, your, your version may say this, can your worrying add a single hour or moment to your life? Both great questions, and both have the same answer. No. <laughs> worrying doesn't do any good. You worry about it, and worrying doesn't add, doesn't add these inches to my, to my height. And, and I, I tried that growing up. I, I don't know if you, some of you remember, there was a, an, an old classic show, had a guy named Bobby Brady. Anybody remember Bobby Brady? There was an episode, Bobby Brady wanted to get taller. And that was about my, that was my age. And he wanted to get taller, and so he tried everything, and he was taking the right foods. But the thing I remember is he would hang from the swing set for hours, hoping that gravity would add inches to his body. And you laugh, you think, that's ridiculous. Let me tell you, by worrying about life, it's the same ridiculous nature. It does no good. I was talking to one young man out in the, the foyer about this time thing, and he said, I, so sometimes I wish I had another hours in the day. How many of you have ever said that? I wish I had 25 this week, or I wish I had some extras. And let me ask you this, did it work? Did you get any more? Worrying does no good. I don't know who made this quote uh, Originally, I've heard it in several different people, but basically this, worry is like a rocking chair. Keeps you really busy, but you get nowhere. Isn't that the truth? What good does worry do? It's not affecting anything. It makes no difference. But here's what I found about thinking about the futility of worry. Worry is a devotion issue, but worry is also a control issue. 
The reason I'm worried about the things that, uh, that I'm going and I, I'm trying so hard in all of my, because I want to control it. I want to say that I'm making a difference. And I don't like the fact that I can't control it. And, but here's what I'm learning. I don't know if you've learned this yet, but I'm really not in control of much anything. Most of what happens is out of my control. And so if I'm going to worry about being in control, I found myself to, when studying this. Boy, you are a control freak, Switzer. you got this, this issue because I, I want to know that I got it handled. And God is kind of saying, you know what, I, I, I got this, but you're not going to have any say. It's going to have to be me, and you're going to have to, because worry comes down to a, an issue of control. Here's what Jesus said about this same passage in Luke 12, 26. But I love the way he said it. You think worry is going to make it? Look what he says. Since you cannot do this very little thing, since you can't add any inches to your stature or hours to your day, look what he says. Why do you worry about the rest? Good question, Jesus. If I can't, if I can't change all this stuff I want to control, why am I worried? Why am I worrying about these other issues? Look how he gives another example. Verse 28, Matthew 6. Why do you worry about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Think about what God does in, in nature and the beauty of the flowers and the birds and the sunsets and the sunrises, but not just in nature, what he does in our individual lives. Look at verse 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? If God takes care of those things, that makes, won't, won't he do the beautiful things in our lives? Don't, don't we trust him enough to believe that he'll do this? The flowers, he take care of them, but again, he didn't die for them, and again, they're just temporary. They'll go away, but you're an eternal soul. But he comes with this final conclusion. Look at these words. Oh, you of little faith. You see, Worry is a devotion issue. It's what you're devoted to. It's a control issue. You want to you have charge. But ultimately, worry is a trust issue. It's a faith issue. It's a matter of, do I really believe God? Oh, say, yes, absolutely, I believe in God. But do I believe him enough not to worry? Do I truly trust him? Do I really believe by faith? Jesus wasn't saying you guys have no faith. It wasn't an absence of faith. It was a deficiency in their faith. And the stronger your faith is, the less your worries are. That's Jesus' conclusion. And so uh, I also look at the other. If my worries are in charge, then where's my faith? And that's what Jesus is saying. These are issues. This is why worry has its problems. So with all this in mind, what, what do I do about it? That we know worry is not what we need to be, and Jesus' command is not to do it. Is there anything we can do? And I wish I had three points, and I wish I had a pill we could swallow, and all my worries go away. I wish I could be singing like Pharrell, how can be happy? I mean, I wish I could do that, and it all goes away. But there are some things that Jesus tells us that if we apply, we can begin to see a handle on this thing of worry. Let me, give, let me put them to you this way. First thought is this. Remember who you are. If you go down to verse 31 with me, I, I find this very interesting. He says, therefore, do not worry. There's our words, what you eat, what you drink, or what you shall wear. But look at verse 32. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Gentiles, some of your versions may say the pagans. And he was talking more than just those who weren't of the race of Jews. He was talking about, that, that's a term that was used to represent those who weren't true followers, true worshipers of God. 
we would refer to those as unbelievers. They're not followers of Christ yet. And he says, after all these, when, when you do those things, that's, how, that's what the Gentiles do. Do you, do you see what he's saying? Christians, when we allow ourselves to be overcome with worry, we're acting like unbelievers. We're acting like we really, we're, we're what we would call practical atheists. Yes, I believe in God, but not enough to trust him, not enough not to worry. Isn't it ironic? I, I found it ironic in my life at least that I believe God saved me from my sins. Jesus died for me. I believe he's preparing a place for me. I'm going to be with him forever in eternity. I believe that God has that in mind, and yet I'm not sure he can handle today's problem. And so i got to worry about him. i got to be in charge of him. It's the, it's the issue of remember who you are. I am, I am a new creation in Christ. I am a child of the king. I am, a, I am a part of God's family, and he will never leave me or forsake me. He promises that all things will work together for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose, and that's me. Remember who you are in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the first thing. Don't, act, don't put ourselves in the place of those still lost, the Gentiles, the unbelievers. But let me finish this sentence. Remember who you are and who you belong to. Look how he finishes this verse. He talks about that's how the Gentiles, but look at the end of that verse. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Your heavenly Father. When talking about worry, he, he puts God into understanding. He's, he's a heavenly Father who cares about you. But I love the way he says it. He, he, your heavenly Father knows Think about it. just those two, those two words, or three words, your heavenly Father, I guess this is four words, your heavenly Father knows. Think about this. God is not surprised by what you're going through. God's not shocked by what you're going to face this week. The things that we worry about, those things are not, those things are not beyond God's awareness. He knows what you're going through, and we've already seen in this passage that he cares and he cares for the birds. He cares for creation. Won't he care for you? That's because he's your father. Think about this. This whole passage of the Sermon on the Mount, at least a dozen times so far in this sermon, he's talked about the father. Remember, uh, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's saying this all through this sermon. What Jesus is trying to get us to understand is, guys, you have a new relationship now. God is still God, but now he's your father. There's, a, there's this relationship of care and of knowledge. And, and what is even, even greater is God knows and God cares, but God's able to do something about it. God's able to make a difference. He says, remember who you are, but remember who you belong to. He is your father, and he loves you, and he cares about you. In fact, Romans 8, 31, I love this verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? We sang about that. I love that. But the next verse, look what he says. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. Think about this. God sent his son to die for us. Ultimate sacrifice. Why would God send his son to die for us and then leave us to, to fend for ourselves? If he put that much effort into saving us, he's going to care for us because he's our father. Now, I, I want to throw out that there's a major assumption that we're making here, and that is that you know God as your Father. I never want to assume that in a congregation, whether it's live or on, online, that, that you, I want to make sure you know that God loves you and he has a plan for your life, but there's a difference between knowing God as, as the creator and knowing him personally as your Father. 
And that happens when you realize that Jesus died because you're a sinner and we all are sinners that need a savior and Jesus died to be our savior. And if we repent of our sin and follow him, he will save us. He'll birth us into the family. So then we can say, he's my father and my father's gonna take care of me. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. And then Jesus brings it to conclusion with this and redirect your devotion. Remember, worry is a devotion issue. What is it that you're really most, what's really most important to you? So look how Jesus confronts this. Verse 31, therefore do not worry. And then in verse 33, he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Isn't it interesting? Jesus didn't just say, don't worry, stop worrying. But he said, don't worry, replace that with something. Instead of worry, Seek first the kingdom. Here, here's Jesus' uh, solution for us or help for us. Is it's all about what we're devoted to and what we're letting control our lives. But if we will allow our, our, our perspective, our thoughts to change to the point where now we're seeking first the kingdom, his kingdom. It's not my kingdom. It's not what I want in life. It's what God wants. I seek first his kingdom. And, but think about that. If it's his kingdom, if it's my kingdom, let's think about that. My kingdom, well, I've got to worry about it. I can control it. I've got a lot to worry about if I'm in control of this kingdom. But since it's his kingdom that I'm searching after, he's the one in charge. I, he's going to take care of it. He's big enough to fix it so God's in control because I'm going after his kingdom. But did you notice he said seek his kingdom first? It, it's that priority. It's that his agenda becomes your top priority. That when you wake up in the morning, it's about what does God want from my life? What, I, I don't want to worry, so instead of worry, I'm going to be seeking what does God want me to do today? What does God want in this situation? What is God's plan? Instead of worry, seek first the kingdom of God. And what does he say he'll do? All these things will be added to you. The things that you need for his kingdom... The things that he knows that are the, what, what is necessary for you, he promises. You put, the idea is this. You concern yourself with the Father's kingdom, and he'll concern himself with you. Seek first the kingdom and see him add all these things to our lives. Let your agenda be your, let his agenda be your top priority. Let me share this. One of the, I think, one of the simple ways that we do this is what we all know, is, and that's when we go to God and we focus on him in this very precious gift we have called prayer. In fact, I kind of see uh, worry as one of those, those dashboard lights. My dad used to call them idiot lights because if they're coming on, he'd usually say, you idiot, you should have put oil in the car earlier. That's, what, that's why he called them that, right? But those lights on your dashboard that when they come on, it means there's a problem. When you start feeling the worries come, we you know what that's saying? It's time to stop and pray. It's time to stop. Here's how, here's how Paul put it. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be anxious. Don't worry about anything. But let your, let your requests be made known unto God. Your supplications, your thanksgiving. And Very simply, he says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Take it to, to, you want to seek first the kingdom? Well, that means that when the worries come, I find the one who can take care of the worries, and I go to him in this idea of prayer. Here's how Peter put it, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. I love that phrase. It, it's kind of a play on words there in the English, right? You cast your care, your worries, 
Those things that bother you, the things of the world that you're cast, give those to God, and then he'll do what? He'll care for you. Casting all your care on him because he loves you. He cares for you. In fact, here's what I'd like to do something. Give you a little experiment, a little, a little practical thing. So if you have something in your hand, I encourage you to put it down for a second. Can I ask you to use both hands? I want you to try something with me, all right? Just take both hands and just lift them up like this, okay? Now we're going to do the wave. No, we're not going to do the wave, okay? Just leave your hands up, okay? Now take that verse and picture yourself casting every one of those worries, name by name, date by date, problem by problem, casting those into his hands. Just see yourself saying, God, you know what i got to face tomorrow. You know that test. You know... And one by one, cast those to God. But then as you bring your arms down, find yourself putting your arms around each other like this and look at that last part of that verse because he cares for you. I'm going to cast my care on him because God loves me. God cares for me. He does. That's how important this is, that he wants to help you with their worry. So he's saying, cast it now. Here's what I know. This is one of those lather, rinse, repeat things. <laughs> Worries aren't just going to, okay, I'm not going to worry about that ever again. God, you got it. And here's what I've found. I don't know if any of you are like this. But when I think of casting my care, sometimes it's like when you're casting a fishing rod. I tie a string to those things and I give them to God and then, oh, wait a second. And I pull them back and worry about them again. Anybody else have that issue? You're going to do that. I get it. You're going to worry and you say, I gave it to God. Yes, and you're probably going to have to give it to God again and again and again. But that verse has no limits. Keep casting. Keep casting. When that worry comes, God, here it is again. But God, please take it. And then feel his arms around you saying, I care for you. Here's what we know. God's, through his word, given us a real challenge here. Do not worry. In essence, he's saying, don't let your faith, your joy, your, your purpose be strangled, be choked by the worries of the life that, that we live. Don't let your focus on God and his will and his presence be distracted by all the other things that we're, we're worried about. Because, this is how we started, remember, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Here's my question. Do you believe that? Oh, yes, I do. Do I believe it enough not to worry? Do I believe it enough to say when I'm worried, God, here it is. I can't handle this. I can't control it. But I don't want to be devoted to it. It's yours. And we give it into his hands. Here's what I know. As you shift your focus from your kingdom to his, what you're doing is you're shifting from your worries to his peace. The perspective, getting our eyes on eternity, determines our state of mind, our peace. Casting our cares on him because he cares for us. There's an old song that I remember from years ago. Wonderful first line says this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. But look at the next phrase. And the things of earth, replace that with the worries of my life. The things that I'm worried about, the things that are really not those critical, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory 
and grace. Amen. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to spend some time speaking to the Lord about what he said to us. My first, my first thought is this. Do you know him personally as your father? Has there been a point in your life when you recognized your sin and that you needed a savior and you received his gift? You're here in a great place to do that today. Before you can leave, you can know that he is your father who cares for you. Would you receive him today? Would you call out to him and repent of your sin and follow him? But for those followers of Christ, Jesus has told us, do not worry. So what are we going to do? I want to encourage you to take the next few moments as the song begins and just one by one cast those cares. What is the worries that are on your life? Feel yourself casting them into God. And then feel his arms surround you with his love and care. God, I want to be, let you be in control, not me. God, I want to seek your kingdom first, not mine. God, I want your agenda to be my top priority. Spend some time talking to him. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a place to come to when we're worried. So this morning, we're turning our eyes to you. This morning, we're casting our cares on you. And this morning, we're feeling your arms surround us, saying, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I care about you. I know. Lord, thank you for listening to us. Do your work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together.